up, you beautiful bastards? Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hey, hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat, and let's just jump into it. You know, the first thing we're gonna talk about today is we have the Catholic Church in the news, which if you're a Catholic, you're probably always like, oh God, what now? But despite your valid reaction, this is more of an oopsie rather than a oh God. So at the center of this story, you have a Catholic priest by the name of Reverend Andre Arango. He's in Phoenix, Arizona. And after an investigation, the Diocese of Phoenix determined that Arango has been using the wrong wording in baptisms performed for over the last 20 years until June 17, 2021. And the first thing of note here is he was so, so close. Apparently, instead of saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, he used, we baptize you. Which, yes, is only one word off. However, according to the church's decision, it is not the community that baptizes a person and incorporates them in the Church of Christ. Rather, it is Christ and Christ alone who presides at all sacraments. Therefore, it is Christ who baptizes you. And adding, if you were baptized using the wrong words, that means your baptism is invalid and you are not baptized. Which, depending on your level of faith, could be a massive deal. Because you have the diocese clarifying that because Arango used the wrong words for baptisms, which acts as the foundation of other sacraments, it means that those other sacraments are also likely invalid as well and need to be redone. So you're talking about confirmations, marriages, and holy orders. And for me, as a former Catholic, I got baptized. I didn't get my confirmation or anything like that. I just knew it wasn't for me. The first thought that pops into my head is what if someone got baptized, but then they died, right? Would they get into heaven if you believe all of this? Because immediately the thing that pops into my head is someone dies and just Peter's at the gates of heaven. He's like, oh my goodness, my boss, damn it. You are, you're not gonna believe this. I'm so sorry, Gary. Hi, Karen. I didn't know you died in the same car. Yeah, no, it's the same issue with you. No, you can't, you can't talk to my manager. Rules are rules. But joking aside, as someone that went to Catholic school and got a lot of this crammed in my head against my will, I would say to those that do have the faith, the church doesn't necessarily believe that unbaptized people go to hell. As the church allows baptism by desire, which accommodates for this sort of thing where a person has a genuine wish to join the church and live by its tenets, but died before getting hit by the water. And as far as what this means for Arango, he's since resigned. Also, he's working with the church to find everyone affected, which is thought to be thousands and thousands of people. And the craziest part is this isn't even the first time this has happened. Similar issues occurred in Detroit and Oklahoma City back in 2020, which actually led to Rome issuing that clarification that baptisms need to be said with I baptize. But ultimately, the way I'll close out this story is if you're someone that's affected in the Phoenix area, you're nervous, you can check in with the diocese to see if you're affected. What I would say to those affected, but also to people maybe struggling with their faith or they have no faith in a higher power, I welcome you to join the church of DeFranco. Our belief is we don't know what happens when you die and our only tenant is the, the key one, treat others as you wish to be treated. Or because isn't that what everything should boil down to? Like, don't be a fuckhead and treat the other as if it was yourself. We love everyone here, unless they hurt others. It's simple. And then in some entertainment news, we saw some Valentine's Day news trickle into the day after. And it was something we didn't cover yesterday. Or we briefly talked about how big companies target couples as well as even single people. But also, Valentine's Day has also become an interesting day as far as personal promotion, whether it be a, a creator that's on a, kind of the more adult-themed OnlyFans angle, or even more mainstream folk that don't go that route. One of the things that garnered the most attention yesterday, got a lot of people talking, was this shoot between the massive creators Bella Porch and Valkyrie. And among the photos released, we see the two mercilessly destroying a seemingly innocent teddy bear. With Bella posting some of the photos, asking if anyone wants to be stepped on. There's also one where Valkyrie is licking a bloody knife. Well, the general public reaction was this mix of support and thirst. The internet is also still the internet. We ended up seeing a number of people attacking these two for putting out this kind of content. Some accusing them being female content creators that just ride off of their looks. Some going really derogatory saying slut and that it looks like a whore commercial. And ultimately with this kind of quick story, I just want to end it on two notes. One, I really wish more people realized like you do not need to share every shitty thought in your head on social media because also understand there is a real person that's reading that. I know that a lot of people think there's a separation. They do, especially if it's like a homegrown, organic online talent and not like a, a mainstream person that usually has like a, a PR person. But also too, one of the most interesting things when whenever a story like this comes up, and it's not universal, right? There, there are differing reasons. But one of the more common and constant things I see is like a lot of the, the guys or people that are consuming 
this sort of content end up shaming the women that make it. Like some of the same guys that are out there slut shaming women for like having an OnlyFans or doing something or like actively subscribing to OnlyFans. Like an instance that pops into my head, you had a creator, Anthony Padilla, interviewing Amaranth who has an OnlyFans but also is a Twitch streamer. And in that she reveals, I make about 1.3 to 1.4 million a month currently. And my reaction to that is good for you, get that bag. The market decides what the market decides and the market has decided to give you $1.3 million a month. Well, I'll feel a little bit of jealousy when I hear those things, it's not any Thing that makes me go like, oh, I dislike or hate that person. If anything, I'm like, I do, do I? Does me launching an OnlyFans for my feet just not need to be a joke anymore? Do we finally launch OnlyFills? And I don't know, if for me, a lot of it feels like the negativity comes from this, this thing that just doesn't add up. Like the things that stem from like the, the douche bro alpha male podcast. You're like, I wanna have sex with tons of women, but women that don't have sex regularly. Like what kind of fucking idiotic, double standard, hypocritical bullshit is that? And so to kind of try to bring it back around on the lesser end, I don't understand why people have such an issue with women kind of just like owning their own body. They're comfortable, they're sharing it. It makes them feel empowered. Then also on the other end, like why villainize women because they want to have sex? Don't you want them to want to have sex? Because guess what, Greg? You ain't special. Your mama lied to you, Greg. And then the Academy of Motion Pictures is making a desperate attempt to make you please, please care about the Oscars, which it seems like year after year, fewer and fewer people do. Right? Because one of the many criticisms around the Oscars is often they don't celebrate a ton of movies that were incredibly successful at the box office. Or just last week, there was that massive debate and a big reaction about Spider-Man No Way Home not getting a Best Picture nomination. And so seemingly in an attempt to put a Band-Aid on the situation and get some sort of engagement whatsoever for the Oscars, they're now introducing the fan favorite film. Now, notably, this is not a formal category, but with this, fans can vote for their favorite movie of the year, either by tweeting using the Oscars fan favorite hashtag or going to a website with the same name. And oh, do they want your attention and engagement. You can vote for your favorite movie 20 times a day between now and March 3rd. And to really get them on their knees, begging you, please, please, please care about the Oscars, voters will also be entered into a contest to attend next year's Oscars. So that's the story, but really at the end of the day, this is just kind of a recycled idea from 2019. If you don't remember, ahead of the 2019, Oscars, they announced a new category called Best Popular Movie, but it got tons of backlash. Right, that was the year of Black Panther, and people were concerned that if there was this popular movie category, movies like Black Panther would only get nominated there and lose their chance at Best Picture. Right, essentially demoting the movie, limiting it to this like lower class of trophy. And that criticism quickly led to the idea of being scrapped, and of course, Black Panther getting a Best Picture nom. But now we just have to wait to see if this fan favorite idea works out, or if there's enough resistance for it to eventually be scrapped, or if just no one will care. But personally, I kind of just don't care about it all, and that's also probably the reason why they're doing it. But yeah, ultimately, that is where we are and we kind of just have to wait to see do they do just like what they did back in 2019 they end up scrapping the idea after public reaction or you know does this move forward and does it actually get them more eyes and more attention it, we'll have to wait to see but from that i want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show stamps.com slash phil whether you're a small office sending out invoices and online seller shipping orders or even a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day stamps.com is great for any size business personally i love how convenient and cost effective this is for me and my business and i can even get all my mailing and shipping done without even leaving my house. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. You can print official U.S. postage from your computer 24-7. There's no special supplies or equipment needed. And with Stamps.com slash drill, you get exclusive discounts on post office rates like 40% off USPS and 76% off UPS rates. Using Stamps.com just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages this time of year. Personally, it saves me time and money freeing me up to produce the show, work on the new studio, come up with the next drop, which, oh, I'm so excited to drop. So yeah, save time and money. Go to Stamps.com slash to get a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There's no risk, no long-term commitments, no contracts, and never go to the post office again. Now remember, that's stamps.com slash fill. And then mail-in ballots are supposed to make voting easier unless 
You're in Texas. Which is crazy because the state already has some of the most restrictive mail-in voting requirements in the US, allowing only people who are over 65, disabled, out of town, or in jail to cast mail-in ballots. But now the state's recent and extremely controversial election law known as SB1 had new provisions go into effect that are already affecting mail-in voters in the upcoming March 1st primary elections. With county election officials across the state reporting an unusually high amount of rejected ballots. And you might wonder, okay, when you say unusually high, are we talking about like 5%, 10%, God forbid, 15%? Well, according to officials in Harris County, the state's largest county, as of this weekend, they have received around 6,500 mail-in ballots. And of those, nearly 38% have been sent back to voters. 38%, and that's just so far with the county expecting tens of thousands of mail-in ballots. And that rejection rate is similar across the state with some counties reporting even higher rejection rates. And the sudden surge of rejected ballots is almost exclusively because there's a new requirement that ballots and the return envelopes both need to have the same ID number on them as what the voter used when they registered to vote. Notably, a social security number can also be used, but the same problem applies. Right? Many voters just don't know about this new requirement and they're not putting their ID information on both the ballot and the envelope, especially because the spot on the envelope where they're supposed to put their info is under the flap that seals it shut, which I will say that placement does make sense. Otherwise, the info would be available to the public, but it does feel like it's being used for nefarious reasons. And what's been found is that the earlier a person voted, the less of an issue all of this is. Right? Election officials can choose to send the ballot back with an envelope to be fixed if they determine there's enough time to do that. But as election day gets closer, things get more complicated and difficult for voters and officials will need to resort to other solutions. And here's how James Slattery, a senior attorney with the Texas Civil Rights Project, described those. Saying the county may, but is not required to, contact the voter and say, you can either cancel your mail ballot and vote in person or come to the clerk's office in person within six days of the election to fix the problem. That is a very convoluted process that obviously is not helpful for people who are not in Texas. Also, another issue that some voters face, even if they put their ID in the correct spots, is just mismatching information. Many voters registered years, if not decades ago, and sometimes IDs change. And so to help with that, you have state officials urging voters to include both their ID number and social security number on the ballots and envelopes, saying that it will help reduce the chance of a ballot being rejected. But ultimately where we're at is, you know, we have a few weeks to see how bad this issue is truly going to become, and it's, it's gonna be an important one. But also with this, at the same time, there is a question of, you know, which party will this affect the most? Because while it is true, if you look to the last election, Democrats by far vote more than Republicans by mail, because Texas already has very strict mail-in policies, right? You can only vote like this if it's 65 and older and a few other things, because statistically more often than not, older voters vote conservative, which yes, you could argue would be an amazing self-owned, but also it's still not a thing that makes sense. Even if I disagree with someone, whether it be on one issue or ideologically, their vote should still count. And then I couldn't fault you if you didn't know what was happening in the Honduran political system right now, but it is very dramatic, it is very interesting, and it does involve the United States because of course it does. So less than three weeks after he left office, ex-president of Honduras, Juan Orlando Hernandez, is now fighting the possibility of being imprisoned in the United States. America has asked the current government for his extradition, although the exact charges are not known. However, Hernandez has long been suspected of having ties to drug trafficking. First off, his brother was actually sentenced to life in prison in the U.S. last March for drug trafficking and weapon charges. During that, federal prosecutors in New York named ex-president Hernandez as a co-conspirator and claimed that he accepted bribes from traffickers in return for protecting them as president. So the extradition request not coming out of nowhere, however, it has now led to a bit of a standoff at his residence with police surrounding the building. His lawyer saying that until a judge is selected to deal with the extradition request, it is understood that no arrest order exists. Also arguing that Hernandez has legal immunity because he's a representative of the Central American Parliament, a role that he just so happened to get the same day that he left the Honduran presidency. And so as far as what happens from here, you have the vice president of the newly elected National Congress pleading with Hernandez to just turn himself in. And actually, that's exactly what happened after I finished recording the first version of this story with Hernandez telling supporters that, quote, I am ready and prepared to cooperate and go voluntarily to face this situation and defend myself. And the country's 15 Supreme Court justices have already scheduled a meeting for today to select a judge to handle this extradition case. But a key thing here is that even though Hernandez is turning himself in, the decision to actually extradite him still needs to be made. In Honduras, unlike in the United States, where the Supreme Court is a lifetime appointment, justices are only appointed there for seven-year terms. And with all of them having been selected by Congress in 2016 during Hernandez's first term, many are known to be very close with the ex-president. So that's gonna be a key thing to watch. However, if
if Hernandez is eventually extradited, it kind of would be an ironic twist, since he's actually the guy that pushed for a law that would allow Honduran citizens to be extradited while he was president of Congress. And then, in settlement news, there were two massive ones. You had Remington Arms and Prince Andrew. For Remington Arms, as Axios explained, families of five adults and four children killed in the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School sued the gunmaker nearly eight years ago for its marketing practices, claiming that Remington recklessly marketed a military-grade gun to civilians, with a Bushmaster AR-15-style rifle being used in the December 2012 shooting, which killed 20 children and six adults. And the big news today is that Remington Arms has now agreed to a $73 million settlement, with Francine Wheeler, who lost her six-year-old son, Benjamin, saying, Today is not about honoring our son, Benjamin. Today is about how and why Ben died. It is about what is right and what is wrong, and adding our legal system has given us some justice today. But also adding that she and her husband will never have true justice. True justice would be our 15-year-old healthy and standing next to us right now. But Benny will never be 15. He will be six forever because he is gone forever. And then, in addition to that, like I said, you had Prince Andrew in the news because he just settled a lawsuit with Virginia Jufre. Virginia, of course, said that Prince Andrew sexually abused and raped her. Prince Andrew said, I've never met that woman, even though there was a photo of him meeting that woman. While police in the UK decided last year that they would not take action against Prince Andrew following a review of the sexual abuse accusations, Jufre sued Prince Andrew in the US District Court in Manhattan back in August, where Andrew tried to get the lawsuit dismissed that failed setting him up to face a civil trial in the United States. But ultimately, that is really all we know. We know that it was settled, it was for an undisclosed amount, we don't know, and uh, Prince Andrew, like pretty much every fucking giant company, whenever they, they settle, does not have to admit any wrongdoing. And as far as my opinion here, I really just hope Jufre feels some sort of closure or just some sort of peace or happiness. Because personally, I would have liked to see what would come out from a trial, and it probably wouldn't be something great if he's willing to throw money at the situation. And I mean, this part of the story is like, just it just feels disgusting to me. With AP News reporting that according to the statement, Prince Andrew regrets his association with Epstein and commends the bravery of Miss Jufre and the other survivors in standing up for themselves and others. In the situation that apparently he was not a part of, but was willing to throw money at to just kill with the woman he denied ever meeting, even though there's photographic evidence of it. And personally, having tracked this story and really how the royal family, in my opinion, just did everything possible to try to shield him from it, I, I hope this stink never leaves any of them. But ultimately, that is the end of that story and today's show. As always, you beautiful bastard, thank you for watching, liking, subscribing for these daily dives into the news. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.